African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. You are listening to Channel Africa. Welcome to African Dialogue. It's Thursday, so it's our last uh, show for the weekend. Uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, yesterday we were looking at our seas and uh, we were looking at our oceans. Today we're going to be looking up and looking at uh, what's up above us. We're looking at the air. We're looking at space. Today we're going to be looking back at the International Aerospace Symposium. Before we get into that, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, let's get our news from uh, Anne Musa. In the headlines, Namibian opposition parties file papers to the Supreme Court in a final bid to halt tomorrow's election. Zimbabwe's Vice President Joyce Majuru's political futures in limbo and local Nigerian hunters form patrols to counter Boko Haram. Good morning. A group of opposition parties in Namibia have filed papers to the Supreme Court in Vintuk in a final bid to halt tomorrow's election. This after the urgent application was dismissed with costs by the Vintuk High Court yesterday. The group of parties led by the main opposition Rally for Democracy and Progress argued that the new electronic voting machines the country will be using is unconstitutional. Their biggest area of dispute is that the voting machines don't have a paper trail, leaving the electoral process open to fraud and corruption. Zimbabwe's ruling party ZANU-PF Central Committee is to meet next week to review results of the organ's elections in which senior party leaders, including the country's vice president, were denied seats. Vice President Joyce Mujuru remains in limbo after her election papers were rejected by the party over alleged links to a plot to assassinate longtime ruler Robert Mugabe. Shingai Nyoka reports. President Robert Mugabe appears jovial at a Politburo meeting just a week ahead of the elective Congress. His once heir apparent Vice President Joyce Mujuru is conspicuously absent from the meeting. 
Mujuru's power base in the party has been virtually decimated following Tuesday's elections for the Central Committee, the principal party organ. Many of the senior party leaders perceived to be allies, including the Secretary for Administration, Didimas Mutasa, were defeated. Mujuru herself has also been denied a seat in the Central Committee. The Mashonaland Central Election Directorate refused to accept her CV application, citing her links to an alleged assassination plot against Robert Mugabe. Local Nigerian hunters have formed armed patrols in the northeastern part of the country to counter militancy by the militant group Boko Haram. The command of the traditional hunters in the city of Yola, the capital of Nigeria's Adamawa state, says the group is ready to help the Nigerian government fight the militants and protect the city. Hunters in Adamawa had previously helped the army to retake towns from the militants. Boko Haram militants have already seized more than two dozen towns in Borno, Yobe and Adamawa state. States, raising fears about a potential loss of government control in the region. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies and the South African Zionist Federation have met with the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas and President Jacob Zuma at the presidential guest house in South Africa's capital, Pretoria. The discussion focused on President Abbas' views on ways to form a final peace settlement between Israel and Palestine, as well as what needs to be done to achieve this. President for South Africa Jewish Board of Deputies, Zev Krangel. Just feel the importance of South Africans is we we have to show our model here of continuous negotiations and engaging and not to disengage and by that I mean working as South Africans to show our model how well it worked over 20 years ago. And finally, Congolese authorities have detained six members of a Ukrainian aviation crew working for the UN peacekeeping force after Congolese military uniforms were found in their luggage. The Ukrainians were held after a search of their luggage at the airport in Goma. The large number of uniforms found included some for the Democratic Republic of Congo's presidential guard. The UN force, known as MONUSCO, says the Ukrainians were accused of illegally possessing the Republican Guard uniforms found in their vehicles. Recapping the top stories, Namibian opposition parties file papers to the Supreme Court in a final bid to halt tomorrow's election. Zimbabwe's Vice President Joyce Mujuru's political futures in limbo and local Nigerian hunters form patrols to counter Boko Haram. Well, thank you so much to Anne Musa for that news update. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us here on African Dialogue. Uh, remember that uh, it takes place every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. This hour, or yesterday, we were looking at, uh, uh, really looking at the seas, looking at uh, the maritime experience on the continent. But today, we're looking up. We're actually uh, observing what's happening up in the air. Early this week, the International Aerospace Symposium was held in Pretoria, South Africa and brought together experts in the field of aerospace such as academics, engineers and students under one roof. And really the symposium was created to be a platform where experts can exchange ideas of the way forward in the aerospace uh, industry and to discuss advancements made in uh, uh, technology within the field. Now we're crossing live uh, to the station in Pretoria which is the Council for Scientific and Industrial 
industrial research we will have our guests joining us there we've got uh, Mary Boeta who's the council member of the Aeronautical Society of South Africa and manager of the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative which is a program of the Department of Trade and Industry in South Africa also we have Dr. Glenn Snedden who is a technical reviewer at the Aeronautical Society of uh, South Africa uh, in this year he's also a council member and uh, also a research group leader of uh, aeronautic systems of the CSIR's defense peace safety and security unit also joining us is uh, Paul uh, Potgetter Jr who's a program manager at the advanced high performance reconnaissance uh, light aircraft but I want to start uh, with you uh, Mary Boerta in, in terms of uh, uh, this particular symposium the International Aerospace Symposium are you there with us uh, Ms. Boerta? Um, thank you Benjamin um, yes the, the, the Aerospace Symposium of South Africa is organized on an annual basis by the Aeronautical Society of South Africa yeah. and the idea is to get as you mentioned to get together you know, all of the experts in the industry on uh, and, and to discuss the latest developments and also the direction that the industry should go take forward. Mm. It encompasses the aeronautics um, field expertise fields in this year. Also very excited to include the space domain. Um, and yeah. we had some very good technical presentations from the South African National Space Agency, but also from the space industry. And that was, as it is, a very closely knit um, industry, and the sectors are so overlapping and can really learn from each other. Mm. Now, let me move to you, Dr. Glenn Snedden, in terms of uh, your experience, in terms of what came out of this symposium. Was it interesting for you? I'm sure it was. But what, what were the main themes? Uh, the main themes are obviously you've just heard space. Um, mm. the, the traditional side of things, the, the aeronautics uh, research and flight test um, industries in South Africa. I think you need to understand that South Africa has a very rich history in, in the aerospace field, not, not so much in the space perhaps, but that is growing. But in terms of developing our own um, aircraft systems and uh, components, and it's it's really exciting to uh, see all of those components come together and and to be able to look at um, not only the industry developments, um, the developments in the research institutes, uh, in UAVs and other areas, and uh, in industry. And that's why that's why it's um, so interesting to to see the developments happening on the ARLAC aircraft and uh, and at Danel. Uh, um, and uh, Erison, for example, in, in projects like uh, the Sarah aircraft, which is um, currently the hot topic of discussion in the industry. Oh, fantastic. Now, let me move on to Paul Porchetta Jr. In terms of uh, when we spoke, speaking about aerospace, uh, maybe we should just uh, bring it back to me, the ordinary person, in terms of understanding it. I mean, we're not just talking about what's in the air, but we're also talking about beyond also our skies, which is space. But can you define it for us, Paul? Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll try and do my best, <laughs> It boils down that when you want to put something in the air, there's a massive industry that needs to support that because you don't want to read about your grandmother that died in an aircraft crash. <laughs> you don't want your spaceship exploding. So yeah, there's a yeah. massive engineering culture behind the supporting this industry to make it safe, 
And I think that's what the conference boils down, down to, to get all these bright minds together, let them present, let them build on each other so that we can build a sustainable, safe uh, industry so that when you fly to Cape Town or to King Tasha, you're not worried about the aircraft, you're worried about the weather or something there. Mm, definitely. Now, coming back to you, um, uh, Mary Boete, in terms of uh, the industry uh, in Africa, let's just uh, look at that. Do you think that uh, it's something that we are actually investing in? Uh, do Africans care about the aerospace industry? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's very important for the African continent to care about um, the, the industry. I can, if I can use the South African industry as an example, mm. and forgive me if I don't know, you know. No, it's fine. It's fantastic. that I know best. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the aerospace industry is based on, and it, it comes from a very rich defense industry also. There's a lot mm. of spillovers from the defense industry into aerospace. Um, you'd be surprised to, to know that aerospace is not merely just building complete aircraft, as, as Paul was also saying, but it is, it's the, the electronics on the aircraft. It is the, it's the structures within the aircraft where um, Paul's company, Aerosuit, is very good at building um, and supplying into international supply chains with Airbus and Boeing. Mm. So it is not building an entire complete system necessarily, but it has a very rich um, engineering culture, again, as Paul mentioned, that goes from electronics to it can be just mere development of seats. Um, you know, we've got we South Africa has launched uh, uh, two satellites, for instance, already um, into into space, which mm. is again on the space side, or. Um, there's a cube satellite, which is a 10 by 10 centimeter satellite that is a human capital development platform that is, that is also an, a rich African, uh, it's the first African cube set into space. Yeah. So um, there's, definitely, a, there's definitely, definitely an industry, and it, it is an industry that should be sustained because the economic benefits from an advanced manufacturing industry such as aerospace is incredible. I mean, it, it, the type of jobs that you create mm. in, a, in an ind- industry such as aerospace is an in- immense multiplier effect to alleviate economic um, pressures for, for a country. Mm. Now, what's your view on uh, that uh, perspective, uh, Dr. Sneddon, in terms of uh, the industry on the continent? Maybe you can also cite some other examples in South Africa because there's a lot of things happening here in South Africa. Yes, South Africa is clearly the leader on the continent in terms of of its aerospace industry. Um, But uh, as Marie stated, it's it's one of those industries in which many different companies and and, um, continents come together to build just one aircraft. So we provide um, a number of components that go into both Airbus and Boeing, and uh, there are um, many companies and many different um, countries that actually provide parts that go into the bigger system. Mm. And there's no reason why um, other countries in Africa don't can't play a, a big role in that. If you look at the, the conference we had, um, just uh, one um, Kenyan, for example, at the conference, but uh, there are a number of Kenyans in the industry um, at large, and we are currently in discussion with uh, Algeria mm. in terms of developing their aerospace capacity, um, similarly with Uganda, 
and um, Morocco is is quite active, uh, as is Tunisia, in uh, with their past relationships with uh, um, the French, mm. in terms of developing their industry. Um, particularly Morocco, they they even have a, a an engines. Um, plant there that's making part for for Safran, for example. Right, so, yeah. um, you know, really, it's there's uh, we've talked about it with Algeria in terms of the fact that we're we're trying to bridge the African continent. We're going from south all the way to the north, hmm. and to to uplift the entire continent somehow in the middle. Fantastic. Uh, Very great advancements there being made, and I think that's great to see those partnerships happening on the continent. Paul, do you want to elaborate there? I know that uh, you are much involved in aircraft making. Uh, What's your view in terms of these partnerships that are taking place on the continent? And tell us a little bit about your work. I think if I can start from, from the one side, for example, Ethiopian Airlines buys Boeing's. That, that results into some offset or something that must be done in the, in the country to build back. And that builds back into Africa. Now you have to start a plant somewhere to produce aircraft parts. You get skilled people. Mm. And so the, so, so the whole journey grows. And the next time you can perhaps attempt to build your own aircraft or something. But it's, it's absolutely critical that we try and keep that business and do that business in Africa, not let some European or American company do it for us because we can't do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's great to see that that initiatives actually where we are actually um, de- independent, especially in this field, because that's where we're struggling in other sectors as well. But we're going to take a little break, but I want to look at some of the challenges that we have in the aerospace uh, industry. Uh, today we're looking at the International Aerospace Symposium that was held early this week in Pretoria, South Africa. Yesterday we were looking at the seas and the dynamics there, but today we're looking up to our skies on the continent, and it's very very encouraging to hear some of the remarks that are being made by experts saying hey there is a flourishing industry on the continent we're seeing partnerships that are developing in various parts of the continent and also we're seeing also development in terms of the independence of the industry but i'm sure there are some challenges in this industry let us know your thoughts uh, maybe you want to come in into this conversation i know that you can't call us live but you can sms us your views on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five Plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Just to remind you who we have on the line, we have Marie Buerta, who's a council member of the Aeronautical Society of South Africa, as well as uh, Dr. Glenn Sneden, who is also a technical reviewer of the Aeronautical Society of South Africa and also a manager of the Aerospace uh, Industry Support Initiative. Uh, uh, or rather, he's a, a research group leader of the uh, Aeronautic Systems at the CSIR's Defense, Peace, Safety and Security Unit. And uh, we have uh, Paul Porchetto Jr., who's a program manager at the Advanced High Performance Reconnaissance uh, uh, Light Aircraft. They've got long titles, these guys, so they must be important. So we'll take a little break and we'll come back to them after this break. One in three women suffer from abuse and violence in her lifetime. This is an appalling human rights violation, but it is not inevitable. We can put a stop to this. Won't you help? 
Australian actress and UNIFEM Goodwill Ambassador Nicole Kidman joined the 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and you are listening to us online on www.channelafrica.org. And if you're listening to us uh, on your radio set, it's on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa today. We're looking at the International Aerospace Symposium, uh, which was uh, proudly convened by the Aeronautical Society of South Africa and the Flight Test Society of South Africa and also incorporated the Technical Aerospace and Unmanned Systems uh, Conference as well. Brought together experts from the aerospace industry really to look at uh, some of the advancements that are being made in this very interesting uh, industry. Now, let me just uh, remind you who we have on the line. I got some of the titles wrong, but let me clarify those. On the line, we have Mary Buerto, who is a council member of the Aeronautical Society of South Africa and manager of the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative, also, which is a program of the Department of Trade and Industry. We'll find out more about that Aerospace Industry Support Initiative, how it works. And also we have uh, Dr. Glenn Snedden, who is the technical reviewer of the Aeronautical Society of South Africa and uh, the council member uh, of uh, uh, the AESS and research group leader of the aeronautical systems at the CSIR's Defense, Peace, Safety and Security Unit. We also have Paul Porchita, who is a program manager at the Advanced High Performance Reconnaissance Light uh, Aircraft. Now, let me start this part with you, uh, Dr. Glenn Snedden, in terms of uh, looking at uh, the challenges in the industry. Were any of them highlighted at uh, the symposium? Um, I, I think that, uh, that there are a number of um, challenges to the industry that uh, are, are always present. Um, we, we've gone through a, an interesting period uh, since '94, where the defense industry has been um, particularly cut back. I mean, we had the fantastic developments of Royfalk that have extended through that period, and, and Royfalk is a, is a shining example of really what can be achieved in South Africa, but also in terms of, of what it has done for the country in terms of the multiplier effect it has on our, our uh, economy. Um, it has enabled really all of the um, work we are doing currently through Denel and Aerosuit supplying uh, Airbus and, and Boeing. Mm. Um, and we've experienced um, obviously a severe lack of, of large flagship projects that um, were present in the in the early 1990s um, that were enabling the development of those key technologies. We've really done quite well in terms of keeping uh, a number of the capabilities alive, for example, uh, the flight test capability. Um, probably many people are not aware of the fact that we have um, a full suite of wind tunnels and um, all the attendant technologies that, that go um, together with that. Um, not to mention all the manufacturing capability. I mean, that's, those are just um, the high-end sort of research capabilities. Mm. We, we are in, a, in an interesting state in terms of um, the need to continue developing our, our human capital. We're not going to get very far as a country if we don't have um, good skills mm-hmm. developments programs in place. 
and um, we need to encourage more kids to come out of school with maths and, and science. Mm. That's an ongoing challenge, um, I think, not just for the aerospace industry, but um, for the more uh, technical industries in South Africa. That it's a constant um, problem. Mm. Mm. Yeah. School leaders. Yeah. And from your side, Paul, uh, uh, there we hear Dr. Sneerden highlighting areas such as uh, uh, human capital being some of the challenges there. Uh, from an, an, a development side and in terms of uh, uh, creating uh, an industry, uh, what are the main challenges for you? I think if, if you look at manufacturing in, in the world market, uh, for example, every single Boeing 737 in the world flies with parts that were made in South Africa. You have to make that part to absolute perfect quality. Mm. You have to deliver it onto a moving production line on the other side of the world in Seattle or in Toulouse in France. Absolutely on time, in quality, that line moves. It doesn't wait for South Africa to get over a postal strike or when that plane gets delayed. We have to deliver that part absolutely on time, on quality, every time. Otherwise, we hold up the mighty Boeing or the mighty Airbus. Mm. And, and uh, I think that so, so we've learned in so many ways to overcome these things, to be a, a reliable supplier out of the south of Africa. And uh, we've gained the respect of the world by that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And also, I just want to move on in terms of uh, the investment in this particular industry uh, from government. Are we seeing governments actually actually saying, hey, this is an industry that we can actually invest in, that we should actually put our time and resources into? Uh, Mary Boota, you are part of the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative. Tell us a little bit about that. I know as uh, I was uh, uh, told that it's a program of the Department of Trade and Industry. Yes, um uh, let me just take a step back before I go into what the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative does. And, yeah. and, and aerospace as, a, as an industry, that's aeronautics and space and defense, cannot exist without government funding and government support. Um, it really is very important um, for, for government to decide how they want to be involved in, in this industry and also then to give the financial backing in, 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 in some form or another. Now, again, uh, sorry for talking about the South African government, but the South African government has been very good in supporting this industry. If you look at the aerospace industry, it, it receives funding from a numerous government departments, um, which ranges from the Department of Science and Technology, which supports very large-scale research and development projects within in this um, industry, and then if I can, if I can um, name one of these projects that's a very good success story for DST is the, the research project for additive manufacturing of a large aircraft part that is a collaboration between Aerosud, Airbus, and the CSIR, where we're literally machining through additive manufacturing a titanium part for Airbus. Then the Department of Trade and Industry has got a very good support mechanism for the aerospace industry called the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative, which I manage. Um, it is hosted at the CSIR, and being the, such a high and advanced manufacturing industry, you require the institutional backing and the facilities and the expertise that an organization such as the CSIR can give industry. So the AISI is therefore the link between what 
the expertise and infrastructure is at the CSIR to benefit industry. So the overall objective of the AISI is literally just to improve the competitiveness of the local aerospace industry because the aerospace industry inevitably has to supply into an international supply chain, such as Paul just, just pointed out also. So there is very good gov government support for this industry, for, for the private industry specifically. Uh, Dr. Sneddon, would you like to uh, uh, elaborate on that, the importance of uh, governments actually, hey, supporting this industry? Yes, I, I, I would. I mean, there's, government has a, a huge role to play in terms of the skills development issues that I mentioned earlier, in terms of assisting the industry in developing its, its small manufacturing base, and we are doing that actively through the AISI. Um, and to ensure that, that the, the technology stays up to date. Uh, the that moving production line that Paul mentioned not only moves in terms of um, the number of aircraft, but in terms of technology from tranche to tranche. And South Africa cannot afford to simply make um, aluminium parts when, uh, you know, for example, Aerosol has been very good in, in moving into um, uh, thermosetting plastics, and they have really introduced that technology into um, the world market, uh, productionized it, industrialized it with help from the AISI and uh, the DST at some point. And, you know, so we, we've led the development of technologies. The, the, the industry has to meet very, very strict environmental goals. And they are not going to be able to, to do that with the conventional aircraft. So research and technology has to move into production. Mm. And to do that, government has to support that process. Mm. Well, we're going to take a little break. And uh, it's very interesting indeed to see governments actually, they have to come side by side. And also, also see the benefits that we were talking about earlier on when it comes to job creation, especially in this industry. But we also have a challenge here, as was highlighted earlier on by uh, Dr. Glenn Snedden, that, hey, we need that human capital. We need to make sure that uh, in our schools that we promote uh, maths and science. Very interesting points that are coming through, but also that reali uh, uh, being reliable, as uh, Paul Purkita Jr. was highlighting there in our supplies, making sure we're on time, and making sure that we create uh, industries that have a good reputation in this uh, particular field. But what's your view? Let us know by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Now, uh, we're going to look at... Uh, other areas of uh, this particular industry as we wrap it up. We've got a few minutes left uh, and uh, we'll wrap it up after this break. Channel Africa through the African Leadership Academy supports the Babson African Students Organization, Basel Beat Ebola campaign. It aims to raise funds to support a local organization in Liberia to provide personal emergency protective supplies to families in high-risk communities. So far, over 8,500 US dollars has been raised on the online GoFundMe platform and $2,500 in checks, which is a total of 11,000 US dollars raised. 
The hope is to be able to purchase and ship the kits by the end of November. Please help us reach the goal of 25,000 US dollars by donating via the links www.gofundme.com Baso Ebola campaign or channelafrica.co.za and follow the discussions on Facebook or Twitter at hashtag donate for Ebola. Every dollar can save a life. Together we can save many lives and restore hope to families in Liberia. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you are listening to African Dialogue. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. And uh, just uh, a reminder that, hey, that's such an important uh, issue that was highlighted on that promo. Go to our website if you really want to support the fight against Ebola. There's a campaign that's taking place that Channel Africa is supporting. So go to www.channelafrica.org and, hey, reach out your um, and uh, what you have in your own resources and see how we can assist uh, with that particular problem of Ebola. So go to our website, www www.channelafrica.org Now today we are looking at uh, this issue of uh, the aerospace industry and really focusing on what's happening in uh, South Africa which is also leading the way in this particular industry. We're looking at this because there was a very important uh, symposium which took place early in this week, the International Aerospace Symposium which brought uh, uh, industry key players and uh, to really uh, converge and speak about uh, the industry itself. But I want to look at uh, the independence element uh, that uh, was highlighted earlier on and I think it was Paul who was highlighting it. In terms of the issues of developing our own aircrafts and developing our own technologies, Paul how far are we uh, as a country and also as a continent? I think what we've actually got in South Africa is amazing we are capable to produce an entire aircraft and I think probably the only thing we can't at the moment produce is the engine uh, but in South Africa, we can produce uh, aircraft radios, aircraft avionics. We do satellite uh, uh, satcom antennas and stuff that only place in the Cape. Uh, the NAL can build various air-to-air and air-to-ground missiles and weapons. Uh, between Aerosuit and the NAL, we can build mo- most structures. We can, with Paramount and Pat, they can do any wiring or, or, or uh, avionics solutions or even controlling of weapons there. At uh, the NAL Presidian, we can make cameras and balls. Yeah. Uh, at Sistel, we can check at the outer radars and do intelligence gathering. We can do autopilot with STEC in the Cape. Yeah. So we've actually got an amazing, fully self-sustaining industry in South wow. Africa, which is actually very rare for most countries around the world. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Sneden, your views there? Oh, I can only agree. I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, engines is actually my area of expertise, and that's something we've been trying to, to develop over the years. Uh, many people actually aren't aware that in, in the 1990s we, we did actually develop a small gas turbine. So, unfortunately, we never got into production, but we are capable in this country of doing anything and everything in the aerospace domain, and that has led us to really sustain a very... Um, successful aerospace industry and uh, in our private discussions before we we came on the show Paul was actually saying that that the aerospace industry is a very good measure of the health of an economy and Mm -hmm. the fact that we have such a good um, aerospace industry that that has survived a long period in South Africa where we have not seen 
um, large-scale and sustained flagship projects and, and product development coming through government funding is actually a measure of, of the investment that was made in that industry in the, in the 80s and 90s. And it really shows that um, a successful aerospace industry has a massive multiplier effect into the rest of the economy. Mm-hmm. I just want to move a little bit, just a thought that came into my mind. Uh, Mary, you, you are a lady in this particular industry. In terms of um, uh, women in, in the industry, are we seeing them uh, uh, coming in and do we have a lot of them? Um, Benjamin, it's a very good question, and uh, it's a, it's a, you see it again at this aerospace symposium. The, the woman, the, the amount of women in the industry is really growing. Okay. It's not at the, we're not at the, um, at the point where it's 50-50 yet, for instance, but the women's interest in this industry has really grown a lot. Um, engineering-wise, yes, there's a lot of women working in engineering. Women pilots, for instance, are um, are, are really growing. Um, they, there's a big drive to get more women to go into actually, you know, piloting aircraft. Mm. But there is obviously, as we're all aware, a big drive from the South African government to um, get the in, get a lot of industries more equitable. And so it is a big, strong focus to get more women into this industry. And there, for instance, we've got um, there's currently a young lady who has, um, came second in, in the International Aerospace Congress in Russia wow. in the past month with, with her paper and her work that she was presenting. So, yes, it's, it's changing. And, but let's be honest, it's, it's fun to always show the men up a little bit in the industry. <laughs> so, so I can come in there that, that the local conference, that our, our symposium, the two top prize winners were... Woman, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, a woman always showing us how things should be done, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, as we, we wrap it up, in terms of advancing this industry and making it a stronger field um, in, in South Africa and in the continent, I'm sure there's a lot more that needs to be done to be on par in the rest of the world. Paul, what needs to be done for us to see this industry go, growing even further? I think we, we need to utilize all the skills we've got together in a joint effort. Uh, I think sometimes we get into industry where every, every guy tries to fight, open his own space in the world, but together we are actually much stronger. Mm. And there's lots of initiatives going on. I think the symposium was a perfect example of that, bringing different industries, different countries together in South Africa in the same place to meet each other, to get to know that guy, find out that company's not that bad that you thought it was. They actually do amazing things. Then you, you better stop working together. Mm, fantastic. Collaboration. I think that's important. Dr. Glenn Sneerden, your views? I think that uh, we need to, to broaden our, our footprint across Africa and, and uh, make the international part of the symposium uh, far stronger. And, and I think that uh, a nice radio show like this can help publicize the, the conference in the broader African context and we'd like to see more um, more participants from across Africa mm. um, but without collaboration we would not have uh, an international industry like we do and um, we need to really strengthen our international ties um, we have uh, very strong industry locally and it can only be stronger if it uh, understands who does what and, and who are the best players in it 
and a conference like this is, is key in, in really getting that um, sense of community. Uh, Maribota, you the lady in this conversation, I'll let you have the last say and uh, uh, your views in terms of how we can push this forward, how we can advance this industry. Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> no, this is, I mean, I can only reiterate what Paul and Glenn have said. The, the, we need to go as a continent, basically, to offer a collective offering to the international industry, not to compete against each other. We can only, we're so far removed from where the natural industry is in America and in Europe that we need to show what value add we can give here. And we should never underestimate the, the engineering capacity that we've got in South Africa and I'm sure in the rest of the continent also. We can really add value to, to the international supply chains and really um, feed into these product lines and, 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 and into aircraft. I mean, Paul said it, there's not a 737 flying in the world that's not got South African parts in it. Yeah. We need to get the story out. Yeah, that's fantastic. So much is being done on uh, uh, the continent and we really need to lift up that flag of not just our individual countries, but also collaborate, come together, but also celebrate what each country is also achieving there. But thank you so much to Marie Buerta, uh, the council member of the Aeronautical uh, Society of South Africa and manager of the Aerospace Industry Support Initiative. I also want to thank Dr. Glenn Sneerden, who is the technical review of the Aeronautical uh, Society of South Africa and also he's a leader there of the aeronautic systems at the CSIR's Defense, Peace and Safety and Security Unit. Thank you as well to the program manager at the Advanced High Performance Reconnaissance Light Aircraft, uh, Paul uh, Porchetta Jr. Thank you all for joining us. What a great conversation we had today. And uh, hey, I hope that uh, we can do this again next year. Thanks a lot. Great. And uh, they were speaking to us uh, from the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research in Pretoria. Thank them as well for creating that platform for us and creating the facility for this particular conversation. What's your view on uh, what we're speaking about today? Uh, SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Hey, there's so much potential in the continent. I mean, here this is an industry that maybe a lot of us don't know about but hey we see things are happening here that are taking the continent forward and maybe there's a problem in the narrative of Africa whereby so many negative stories that are being told on the continent and we need to uplift these stories that uh, are actually putting us forward and actually hey saying hey we've got something to offer as a continent let us in on your views plus two seven eight two three 325905 is our SMS line. But we're going to have a little bit of music. There was a bit of an uh, interesting conversation. But hey, let's lighten up a little bit. And after that, we'll have our business news. We cross Zimbabwe's border. Over the dry fields of my homeland Coming into Joburg The suntan swimming pools and the Soweto shirts Airports and railway stations 
Stranded with a rock pack and guitar The languages and the places change And the sky has different stars I may be walking in the streets of a city called London By the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet And my heartbeat say Africa I may be walking in the streets of a city called Amsterdam By the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet And my heartbeat say Africa 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 Sticks and stones and the UN loan and the passport controls for countries that don't exist It's a big world, they have their own problems, everyone And there's gold in that clenched feast People ask me where I'm from, I say Mamelodi Township In a city called Tswani, meaning we are the same I have a friend who's a great musician and is from Ebai Near King Williamstown, you know where Steve Biko was born You might have read or seen a film about Africa You know it's a big continent with the great gift of Ubuntu I may be walking in the streets of a city called London But the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet and my heartbeat say Africa Well, that uh, beautiful song about our beautiful continent leads us to our economics news with Sani Matebula standing by. Good morning, Benjamin. The International Monetary Fund says Lesotho's economic growth has slowed partly because of the current political and security situation. Real gross domestic product is expected to grow by just over 2% in 2014-2015 against 3.5% a year ago. A technical team from the IMF visited Lesotho from November 17 to 26. Ntaka reports. The IMF team met the Minister of Development Planning, Dr. Mwikiti Majoro, the government of the central bank, Dr. Rusidisise Matanyani, senior government officials, the private sector, and development partners. The IMF says construction in particular has been affected due to slow implementation of government projects owing to the current political crisis. Although the international reserves have remained strong, mainly due to government revenues from SACU, the IMF has warned in the past that the Sutu's economy should reduce dependence on SACU earnings from regional imports. The IMF mission says improving growth prospects and maintaining economic stability are the main challenges facing the government in preparing next year's budget. South Africa's National Assembly will hold a snap debate on power utility ESCOM today. This follows a request by main opposition Democratic Alliance Party after ESCOM issued dire financial results and announced it was retrenching staff. National Assembly Speaker Bale Gambete, however, says the request for such a debate was made by Public Enterprises Minister Lynn Brown. So we're in a better position to 
actually consider that uh, issue of the SNAP debate favorably because we do believe it's a matter of uh, importance. She will be in the House. So I don't see, uh, Chief Whip, that there should be a reason why we shouldn't agree. SAB Mila, which is the second biggest brewer in the world, the Coca-Cola company and Gorge Family Investments are combining their soft drinks bottling operations in South and East Africa to create a group with two more, 2.9 billion in revenue across 12 fast-growing markets. The new company, which will be headquarters in South Africa, will be 57% owned by the brewer, 31.7% by GFI which is uh, the majority owner of Coca-Cola Subco, and 11.3% owned by the Coca-Cola company. SAB Mila Chief Executive Alan Clark says uh, the opportunity is significant with favorable demographics and economic development pointing to excellent prospects. Nigeria's National Assembly says oil company Shell should pay $3.96 billion for a 2011 spill at its offshore Bonga oil field in the latest uh, assessment of damage to the environment. The non-binding decision comes after years of analysis by various Nigerian state agencies which have proposed a range of fines as high as $11.5 billion. The parliament finally reached a decision based on the report of the National Oil Spill Detection and Response Agency which previously recommended a fine of $5 billion. Shell has declined to comment on the issue. Still about commodities, oil and chemical giant Sasol is looking to use microbes to turn thousands of tons of waste sludge into compost. The company says it has developed a novel method to transform the potentially harmful trace elements found in industrial waste sludge into an environmentally friendly form. It says while composting of domestic sludges is practiced worldwide, composting of industrial wage waste sludges is a unique concept. The process involving using specialized microbial population of heavy metal composting bacteria to target, assimilate and biochemical transform the potential harmful trace elements found in the sludges. Let's look at the financial indicators now. Uh, the dollar 10.96, South African rands 905, Botswana Pulas and 6.26, Zambian Kwachas also at uh, 0.63 against the British pound and 0.80 against the euro. Commodities gold $1,187, platinum $1,213, a finance. Brent crude oil is at $76.60 per barrel. That's your economics news. Well, it's time now for our sports. Fili Lingwati is standing by. In our sports update this hour, we're starting off with athletics. Renee Kama, one of South Africa's top female runners, has just returned from Ethiopia, where she had organized her own training camp. 
Kama, who competed in this year's Berlin Marathon and finished in ninth place with a personal best time, says the camp was mainly to see how things are done in that country and further says it was a stepping stone to her preparations for the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. For me, it was a training camp that I arranged for myself just to go and check out and the setup in Ethiopia to maybe pop over there again next year to go and train there for maybe four to six weeks. And for me, it was the first stepping stone towards Rio um, 2016 and getting everything right in order to making sure that I perform there. In football news, Arsenal held their nerve, their lead and their record of reaching the Champions League knockout stages when they beat Borussia Dortmund 2-0 last night to reach the last 16 for the 15th season in a row. Arsenal can still finish top if they win their last match at Galatasaray and Dortmund lose to Anderlecht, who, like Galatasaray, are eliminated. Their main objective, though, was to seal a place in the last 16. Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger unsurprisingly, was a much happier man than after the Anderlecht collapse. Yes, we had a good start and uh, I believe overall it was a very intense game between two very good teams where you had to fight for every ball to be focused. Uh, I felt that we had a good combination between uh, our usual game, our passing game and uh, our transition from defence to attack. And uh, we were highly focused to defend well together from the first to the last minute and overall I think uh, we looked always dangerous and uh, we were defensively uh, as a team we were very good. Arsenal have been knocked out in the last 16 for the last four years and Wenger says he would do things a little differently this season. First to send a different guy for the draw uh, because if you look at our last five or six years we are we got always what just you didn't want. And then uh, I think uh, from now until uh, February, improve as a team, get uh, encouragement as well, and then uh, hope uh, that we have all, uh, nearly all our players back in the next round. Australian cricketer Philip Hughes has died. He's been in a coma since Tuesday after he was hit by a bouncer in a domestic game this week. Cricket Australia's team doctor, Peter Bruckner, made the announcement in Sydney a short while ago. Hughes was 25. Hughes was expected to return to the test side for the match against India next week. The incident has raised serious questions about just how much protection cricket helmets provide. And in boxing news, two of Muhammad Ali's daughters have played down concerns regarding the former heavyweight boxing champion's health. Ali often regarded as one of the greatest fighters of all time, was diagnosed with Parkinson's syndrome in 1984 and speculation has been rife in recent years that his condition is deteriorating. But Miriam and Hannah have revealed that while their father continues to battle with the progressive neurological condition, the 72-year-old is otherwise doing fine. Most stories come from people who don't know, understand Parkinson's, and he's never been on the deathbed. That story's been out ten times over the years. It, when it first started coming out, we were nervous. Like, oh, my God, his yeah. wife said, don't worry, yeah, yeah. I don't call you. So he's never been on a, in a dying situation. He has Parkinson's. He's had it for 30 years. It is a progressive degenerative disease, but he does well. Mm-hmm. He's healthy outside of the Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people just... 
they can't, it's so hard for them to see the old Ali and this Ali. It's 73 with Parkinson's. And um, a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of equate Parkinson's with senility. No, mm-hmm. he understands who you are. He doesn't speak as well. Mm-hmm. He's not in any pain. You know, I call yeah. him every morning, and that's when he speaks the best. Unfortunately, people see him a lot in transition, and bright lights are out, and he's tired and exhausted. And as the day progresses, he gets tired. Even when he gets his meds, there's side effects. But in the morning, for the first few hours he's awake, he's at his best. And that's when we call him, and he's just talking clear and low. You can hear every word. And it's just it's too bad that you know, the world doesn't get to see that. But you know, it's, he, he's exactly the same person he yeah. is inside his body. And he enjoys being Muhammad Ali. Like, you know, it doesn't change. He's not in any physical pain. It, you know, everything, you know, a doctor once described when I was younger that so I can understand that Parkinson's, it's like it takes him five times the effort to do anything, like move his, his arm. Like if he reaches for a cup, his natural response is to go slow. But if you say, Daddy, do it fast, he'll do it fast. It's just not his natural response. So, right. you know, it, but, but people think that his mind's gone or he's not, he's not happy or he's not. He, he loves being who he is. Even when these, these stories come out, he gets excited and thinks they're going to make the front page, you know. So he likes being talked about. He thinks it's funny and then he'll just say, I'm not dying. That's a sport news this hour. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you for joining us here on African Dialogue. Remember that we come to you every Monday to Thursday, so tomorrow we won't be around. But we'll be back on Monday, and uh, we'll let you in on a conversation about our beautiful continent. But hey, let us know what you thought of today's topic. Maybe you are involved in the aerospace industry. Let us know your views by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Now, let me end with a proverb from Gambia. And I love this one. I think it has to do a little bit with pride and, you know, you uplifting yourself. I think you might be better than the rest of uh, society, but this is an important one. Proverb of the day is, the bird flies, but always returns to earth. The bird flies, but always returns to earth. Maybe you have a different translation to that one. Let us in on what you might think it might be. But hey, that's how I wrap it up. Until uh, next week, God bless.